still soggy in the Fraser Valley. No one knows what may be just underneath the floodwaters. And heavy damage to a popular summer playground, leaving it almost unrecognizable. Stopping Omicron. The current booster will be enough to maintain protection. Why protection from the new variant could improve next year. And a startling increase in seniors' abuse. Regardless of why, the neglect results in often irreparable physical harm to the senior. What can be done to make their lives safer? You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The worst of last month's storms might be behind us, but people in the Fraser Valley are only just beginning to pick up the pieces. The damage to one popular park near Chilliwack has left it unrecognizable. And while residents in Sumas Prairie slowly return home, many remain without drinking water. John Hua reports. Somewhere underneath all the mud, rocks and debris is the site of countless summer memories. At first, Ryan Pomeranz couldn't believe this was Cultus Lake Provincial Park, which in spots was left completely unrecognizable by recent storms and flooding. Devastating. It just ripped through everywhere, like left rocks and silt, everything just left behind, trees. From restoring roads to repairing campsites, Cleanup crews are now racing against the clock. You got limited time this time of year. You're fighting the weather and the rain, and so you try and get in when you can. The situation might even be worse along the water. Now looking at all the debris that continues to wash up on the shores of Cultus Lake, it is clear the cleanup is extensive. Now factor in how much work has already been done. How long is it going to take to get this all completed? The Ministry of Environment says it's still too early to tell. I've never seen anything like that, and the amount of cleanup that has to come in afterwards is just phenomenal. In Abbotsford, the present focus is sending people back home. Effective immediately, I am lifting the evacuation order for the south area of Sumas Prairie. With concerns over damage to the water system in the Sumas Prairie and advice to call health authorities about testing private wells. A potable water station has been set up on number two and Boundary Road. A second one on Whatcom and Vi starting on Thursday. The do not use water advisory, which allows for flushing only, remains in place. While the storms and flooding might be behind us, the slow cleanup across British Columbia has only just begun. It's painful to see, but it's going to look nice when we're done. The work that lies ahead here might be daunting, but crews say it's the flood of fond memories. It has them determined to make it even better than it was. John Hua, Global News, Cultus Lake. The cleanup from last month's storm continues in Princeton with recent snowfall complicating the process even more. A mountain of destroyed personal possessions is accumulating in a local parking lot waiting to be taken to the landfill. And while it removes the debris left behind by the floods, the city is also struggling to keep the streets clear of snow. The job is even more difficult because a lot of its equipment was damaged by the floodwaters. That's one of our biggest uh, drawbacks right now is being able to get enough sand on the road. So uh, we're running around, you know, we're running as fast as we can trying to get that sand out. Just asking residents to be patient with us. We're, we're trying to stay on top of it, but, uh, you know, it's 
it's a little difficult right now. And we only got one salt truck for inside town. It's it's pretty much a big concern. Um, I'm really trying to hope for the better of the town and go Princeton. Now there is some good news. Princeton's water system has two operational water mains now and its sewer system is stable as well. The town is now working with the provincial government to establish temporary housing for evacuees returning to the city. And we know British Columbians show up in a crisis. Global BC, 980 CKNW, AM 730 and Global Okanagan are all partnering for BC Together in support of BC flood relief. Just visit globalnews.ca slash BC Together to check out the qualified and vetted groups stepping up to help out and donate to an organization of your choice. All right, now to COVID-19 in BC and a look at our latest numbers. We have 379 new cases, 2,874 active cases, 224 people are in hospital, 77 of those patients are in the ICU. There have been six more deaths due to complications of the virus and 88.3% of eligible British Columbians aged 12 and older are now fully vaccinated. BC has confirmed five cases of the Omicron COVID variant and more are expected. There's a lot of research to figure out exactly how Omicron affects us, but at least one vaccine company is out with some promising news about its COVID-19 booster. Emily Lassiton reports. If you thought you were done with two, Maybe not. As COVID mutations evolve, so do the unknowns around protection. But on Wednesday, Pfizer-BioNTech announcing a booster or third shot shows promising protection against Omicron, even though the initial two doses appear less effective. Very likely scenario that the current booster will be enough to maintain protection. But if we need one, I'm sure we can make one. And the good news is that we will have it by March. That's the other thing that the press release said. Omicron-specific boosters will be available in March. Fine. How do you know March? Uh, are you telling people, what, to get the third booster now and the Omicron-specific booster in March? Racing to learn more about this latest variant. Scientists don't know yet how big a threat Omicron really is. There are five known cases in B.C. They range in age from 18 to 60 and all had traveled to places like Nigeria, Egypt, Southern Africa and Iran. So far, all mild cases. Omicron has made its way to 57 countries. Exactly what that impact will be is still difficult to know. We are now starting to see a consistent picture of rapid increase in transmission. Will Omicron outcompete the Delta variant? Will you need a fourth or fifth or sixth booster? Experts are saying to think of COVID like the flu. It is here for the long haul. But with all this uncertainty, it seems just about everyone is struggling in one way or another. Tired, depressed, anxious. I find it depressing that people won't get vaccinated because I feel like a year ago we thought we were going to be out of the pandemic and I've known people who've died and it's really hard. In this marathon, BC's top doctor says we have the tools. That's vaccines, good hygiene and this holiday season, smaller gatherings yet again. But even Pfizer's news of better protection against the latest COVID variant doesn't do much to ease pandemic fatigue. Tired of all this? Uh-huh. <laughs> I think everybody is, yeah. Some use self-talk to keep going. It's okay. It's going to pass. You will be okay. You know, think about the bright side. You are alive. 
Emily Lazatin, Global News. No doubt it's been a struggle to cope. Keith Baldry joins us now. Keith, setting Omicron aside for a moment, the Delta variant is still mm -hmm. by far the most dominant strain. It affects hundreds of people every day, and yet the numbers are trending down. What are the likely scenarios if Omicron takes hold? Yeah, well, in terms of the present situation, it is encouraging. It's best not to look at shifts in COVID numbers and statistics on a day-to-day -day basis, but look at it from week to week and month to month. And based on what we've seen in the last few weeks, it is encouraging without Omicron present. So look at the cases down 807 uh, over the course of a week from the previous month. Hospitalizations are really plummeting the number, which is great news. Those are the most severely ill people. And the people dying from COVID-19 over a weekly basis is down 11 uh, from a corresponding week the, the month previous. Again, this is very encouraging, but Omicron is just getting started, Chris. It's about to explode in a number of places. BC will not be immune to Omicron. The best uh, situation right now, or news associated with Omicron, very little evidence of people going into hospital. Almost every case reported is reporting mild symptoms. Uh, it's very infectious, but it seems to be a less severe form of COVID. But we're going to get a lot of Omicron, no question. No doubt, and more research ongoing. Hey, mm -hmm. Keith, I want to ask you about another disturbing incident uh, very close to where you are right now. Mm -hmm. uh, Minister Katrine Conroy, we hear, is recovering from injuries after a, a frightening encounter. Can you describe what happened? Yeah, last night she was going home from the legislature yesterday evening. She lives nearby in James Bay, and she was attacked by someone. Uh, she was knocked to the ground. She suffered minor injuries. She's okay now. Police have filed a report, and they're looking for information from any witnesses. So if you have any information about this, please contact Victoria Police. Very disturbing. It is uh, to someone well-known around the legislature. And around the legislature, I have to tell you, Chris, at night it can be a bit of a, a dodgy place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it, it seems to be worse in the, in the last yep. few weeks than, than prior. Mm -hmm. Thanks very much, Keith, and we w wish the best for uh, the minister. Yep. Please pass along our thoughts. Well, with the emergence of Omicron here in B.C., questions are again being asked about this province's limited use of rapid tests. As Richard Zussman reports, while those test kits are hard to find and expensive here in B.C., in other jurisdictions, they're widely available and cheap or even free. For the holiday season, you can buy pretty much anything. Toys, food, electronics. The one thing you can't buy at one of these stores in BC, a COVID-19 rapid test. People are wanting to take that level of responsibility and wanting to see uh, that they can actually have a part in, in keeping people safe. In the United Kingdom, South Korea, Germany, rapid tests are readily available. In British Columbia, they are expensive if you can find them and you may have to order them online. It's still unclear um, whether, and we are looking at whether it makes sense to have rapid tests available for people. A new petition has popped up with more than 4,000 signatures calling for all British Columbians to have access to rapid antigen testing, especially with worries around the Omicron COVID variant. In Ontario, the federal government has provided 31.3 million tests for free, used 9.4 million, that's about 30%. In Alberta, 11.2 million tests have been sent, 1.7 million have been used, that's 15%. BC has only been sent 3.2 million tests, and even so has only used around 300,000, that's 10%. I find it hard to find like a, a reason not to be using it uh, in places where it's needed. The Americans have been criticized as well around access for rapid tests, but at least here you can buy them. At a local pharmacy, these two tests, $30 Canadian. 
we're watching other jurisdictions, whether it's the United States, whether it's Europe, literally giving them out. And, uh, and we still don't have any. Retailers like Chompers Drug Mart have been told they can't sell tests to BC. And even though Dr. Henry is aware asymptomatic people want to try the test before going to a family holiday gathering, she doesn't think they're necessary. More and more we are learning across the country that uh, using rapid tests for asymptomatic testing, particularly vaccinated people, has a very, very low yield. Where the province does want to use them is for kids who may want to be tested before going to schools with the sniffles. But so far, there's not been widespread distribution of those government tests to parents of school-age kids. Richard Zosman, Global News, Bellingham, Washington. A vulnerable senior loses her home and B.C.'s ombudsperson is blaming the city of Penticton. Why it was sold right out from under her, next on the News Hour. A car ends up in the river right above Niagara Falls. The brave attempt to rescue the driver coming up. And the loud boom and bright light that flashed across the sky in Alberta. What they're searching for today, later. Right now, though, a devastating outcome for a vulnerable senior who owed $10,000 in unpaid property taxes. The Penticton woman lost her home and with it hundreds of thousands of dollars in equity when the city auctioned it off for a third of its value. As Global's Taya Fast reports, the provincial ombudsperson is now calling out the city for its actions. A vulnerable 60-year-old woman is out of a home and BC's ombudsperson is now putting the city of Penticton under fire. The city made a number of errors in dealing with Ms. Wilson. Talk is calling for significant changes to the way municipalities collect outstanding property taxes after the woman's home was sold to cover a $10,000 debt. Is is devastating. So uh, uh, it's certainly something that I'm hoping and still calling for the city of Penticton to to uh, uh, see to do the right thing. In a report, Chalk claims the woman was unable to pay her bill due to personal challenges. Her home was then sold in a tax sale auction under market value, and she was evicted. In our view, the uh, city at that point um, should have done uh, what they're allowed to do uh, under British Columbia law, and that is to notify the Interior Health Authority, because the Health Authority has the job of figuring out whether uh, any of us need uh, support and assistance in managing our affairs. The report makes five recommendations, including that the city pay back over $140,000, approximately half of her lost home equity. BC's Seniors Advocate Isabel McKenzie weighed in on the report at a press conference regarding seniors' abuse and neglect in the province issue around the need to protect vulnerable people, um, what what you're looking for, broader education may have allowed the city of Penticton to realize perhaps there should have been uh, some outreach. The city of Penticton would not go on camera but provided a statement in response saying the city of Penticton fully recognizes the seriousness of the situation. City staff were unaware that Miss Wilson was a vulnerable person in need of support or assistance until the conclusion of the tax sale process. The city adding that their legal team will be reaching out to ombudsperson claiming a significant part of the city's response was not included in the report. TFS Global News, Penticton. Just ahead, thieves strike again. When it happens a second time, you start to feel like somebody's got it in for you. A major blow to a charity that really needs its truck. And roof rack fail. What a dash cam captured going over the Lions Gate Bridge. It's a busy night for westbound traffic on Highway 1 through Burnaby. Usually it's eastbound, but there is a stall here just before Kensington in the left lane. 
Previous to that, there's two separate crashes. One is near North Road and one is near Gallardi. Both are on the left side. Planning a trip with BCAA Travel Insurance, you get free COVID-19 medical coverage and worldwide virtual care from BC's top choice. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Highway One in Burnaby. A memorial is growing outside Delta Secondary School in Ladner, where 17-year-old Micah Blum was a student. The school has extended its condolences to her friends and family and say Micah was a much-loved student who had strong connections with her peers. Counseling services have been put in place for anyone impacted by her passing. Blom was found dead on Tuesday morning in a home on Tawasan First Nations land. She was last seen by her family on Friday, who say her absence was out of character. Her death is being treated as suspicious. Police aren't releasing details about how she died. One man was taken into custody. Delta police say he has since been released. Frustration for a Vancouver-based charity tonight after the theft of a catalytic converter from its delivery truck. The second time this has happened. The nonprofit, which delivers furniture to families in need, is once again facing out-of-pocket expenses. Catherine Urquhart reports on the spike in similar crimes. A rented U-Haul truck is now being used by Vancouver's Homestart Foundation. The extra expense necessary after their truck's catalytic converter was stolen this week. We uh, came in yesterday morning prepared to deliver to three different clients and they started up the truck and it sounds like a tank. Worse still, this was the second time this year that thieves targeted the nonprofit organization's truck, which is used to deliver furniture to people re-establishing their lives. We're the only game in town when it comes to furnishing homes for people in need, and we work with over 60 social service agencies in Vancouver. Catalytic converters are worth a small fortune as they're filled with precious metals, mostly platinum. According to ICBC, in 2019, there were 602 catalytic converters stolen, 1,061 in 2020, and this year to date, 1,579 catalytic converters have been stolen. Excuse me! For Homestart, the theft has been deeply upsetting. It has also brought out the best in some who offered to help including the Greater Vancouver Food Bank. They have offered to take care of the repairs and a lot of the other costs involved in um, getting, getting our catalytic converter replaced. The nonprofit says it plans to put a protective cage around the next catalytic converter so that, hopefully, they're not targeted again. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. All right, now some wild dash cam video showing the importance of making sure your roof rack is secured. This was on the Lionsgate Bridge around quarter past eight this morning. The owner of the dash cam says the car ahead of him, which was heading south, when the rooftop cargo carrier opened, as you can see, launching objects into the air and onto the ground. Luckily, no one was hurt, but some vehicles were hit by the flying objects. The witness adds, it was pretty windy at the time, so that might have been a factor. Check it twice, as they say. Still ahead, taxation frustration. You're just paying more for the same. Vancouver residents react to another major property tax hike. Also ahead, rescuers put their lives on the line trying to save a woman near the top of Niagara Falls.
Each of us has our reasons to end cancer, and we can, from the patient receiving a diagnosis to the researcher on the cusp of the next breakthrough. This is personal. Give today at bccancerfoundation.com. Good evening and some good news over here in Delta. There was supposed to be a crash southbound on Highway 99 at Ladner Trunk. Luckily, there isn't one, and that's great news for me because this is my route home. Through Kermac Cares for Kids, expert repair for your vehicle helps provide expert care for kids. When you choose Kermac, you choose to support BC Children's Hospital. Kermac Cares for Kids. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One. I'm of Highway 99 and Ladner Trunk in Delta. I don't think the decision by Canada or by many other countries uh, to choose to not send uh, diplomatic representation to the Beijing Olympics and Paralympics is going to come as a surprise to China. We have been very clear uh, over the past many years of our deep concerns around human rights violations. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announcing today Canadian diplomats will not be attending the upcoming Winter Games in Beijing. Trudeau says officials have spent many months talking with allies around the world about this. The move to boycott the Games diplomatically is in response to China's human rights abuses, particularly against the Uyghur ethnic minority. The U.S., U.K. and Australia are among the countries who have decided not to have government officials attend athletes will still participate. A shocking scene in Niagara Falls and still many unanswered questions tonight about the dramatic effort to reach the driver of a car that ended up in the Niagara River just above the falls. You can see the car is dangerously close to the edge and more than 20 meters from shore. Crews with the U.S. Coast Guard performed an incredibly risky rescue operation that included flying over the vehicle with a helicopter and dropping a diver. The rescuer was able to successfully pull a woman in her 60s out of the car, but sadly, that woman was pronounced dead a short time later. The complexity of the rescue was compounded by fast-moving waters and heavy snowfall. We're dealing with a hypothermic situation as well. And when personnel, when people are in the water, they're losing heat 10 times faster than if they were on land. We've got a rushing water situation, a swift water rescue per se. Uh, you don't know what the stability of the vehicle is. Uh, because of the moving water, it's going to be very difficult for personnel even to make their way out to the vehicle. So it's a, a very hazardous uh, predicament for the victim. It's a very hazardous predicament for the rescue personnel. I mean, kudos to the rescuer for doing that. But I mean, that is still a tragic ending. I wish I was there to be able to help. Um, but yeah, from this side, on the Canadian side, uh, there's nothing you can do. Crews say they have never had a vehicle this close to the edge of the falls, and it's still unclear how the driver got into the Niagara River in the first place, which, of course, will be part of the investigation. Well, Vancouver home and business owners are facing another big hike to their property tax bill after council approved the city's 2022 budget by a narrow 6-5 to five vote. And that includes a more than 6% increase to property taxes. As Amadagahi reports, many home and business owners are wondering what they're getting for the extra money. It is something Vancouverites may by now have become more familiar with than December sunshine. The fact that each year it is becoming more expensive to call the city home. That completes the budget process for this year. Thank you so much. Akin to many of its contentious debates in recent months, Tuesday, with a narrow 6-5 to five margin, it's council. 
approved a 6.35% increase in property tax for the upcoming year. At some point, the straw is going to break the camel's back. Those in opposition point to the clear fact that property taxes in Vancouver have been going in one direction year after year. And in the eyes of this political observer... You're going to find two very different opinions on it. I think the city is on an unsustainable fiscal path. We're facing that underinvestment and we're trying to catch up. There is an interesting um, debate going on there. The largest ticket item in the city's now approved $1.74 billion 2022 operating budget is policing. Among other things, there's also new funding to hire more firefighters, an auditor general's office, and another new tax to raise $9 million a year for the city to take action against climate change. The mayor's office says the increase will cost an average condo owner an added $6 a month. Detached homes, 14, and business properties, 26. In the last 10 years, the, the taxes for this building have gone up from about $20,000 $20, a year to $60,000 a year. The burden, not only a concern for homeowners, but small businesses, too. Some of my members are talking about moving to different districts. I can do the same thing, you know, that I'm doing here in Burnaby. And with the municipal election less than a year away, this budget decision also is providing those left unhappy with campaign fuel. Emadagahi, Global News. Single mother-led families across the Lower Mainland are getting a very special delivery today from the Cause We Care Foundation. An army of volunteers, including Global's Robin Gill and myself, gathered at the Rocky Mountaineer Station to assemble 1,200 backpacks full of edible and wearable goodies, comfy, cozy uh, mittens and toques and the like, along with a $100 gift card to save on foods. Each bag is worth more than $230, but it's hoped the impact is even greater than that. We just want to give them, you know, a little boost at this time of year. We know how hard they work all year long to provide for their families, and this time of year has a little extra sort of financial pressure attached to it. So by giving them a $100 grocery gift card, we know that they're going to have a nice meal with their kids over the holidays. We've got some treats for them, for the mom and the kids. Um, so I think the impact is really just them knowing that the community cares about them, that they're thought about it this time of year, and that we all really recognize and celebrate what an incredible job they do every single day. The backpacks will be dropped off at 40 frontline organizations to be distributed to 1,200 families. Cause We Care Foundation raised $180,000 for its 15th annual care package drive. It's the group's biggest year yet. And in Health Matters tonight, reports of senior abuse in B.C. have increased dramatically over the past five years. And B.C.'s Seniors Advocate says changes are needed to deal with it. Isabel McKenzie says the latest statistics are even more troubling because senior abuse is chronically underreported. Nitu Garcha reports. Abuse and neglect of seniors in B.C. is a growing problem, according to the province's Seniors Advocate. Regardless of why... The neglect results in often irreparable physical harm to the senior. Her latest report found in the last three to five years, there has been a 49% increase in reports of abuse, neglect and self-neglect. A 69% increase in reports of victims of violent crime to the RCMP. 
and Vancouver police saw an 87% spike in reports of physical abuse and a 49% increase of financial abuse. This despite a significant underreporting of incidents. Remember, the main reason why someone who witnessed abuse and neglect didn't report it, they didn't know who to call. The head of the Senior Services Society of BC says financial constraints and cultural stigma make many seniors vulnerable. We've had to extract a couple out of a home in New West uh, that they were staying with their adult children and had been confined to the basement with a bucket for a latrine. And we had to use a police escort to escort them and take them out of the province. Isabel McKenzie has five recommendations, including a hotline to report calls of concern, consistent data collection and a review of the now 20-year-old Adult Guardianship Act. And to renew and refresh to meet the challenges of our growing seniors population with the information we know now. But with every province and territory in the country having a minister specifically responsible for seniors, except B.C., New Brunswick and Yukon, Silgardo says it's time for B.C. to catch up. A dedicated seniors ministry, unlike a lot of bigger provinces, B.C. has not gone there and maybe this is the time. In a statement, the Ministry of Health promoted its previous programs for seniors but agreed more needs to be done to make it easier to report abuse, promising to work with its partners in all levels of government to implement new measures. If there is um, a commitment to doing it, it can be done. Neetu Garcha, Global News. Up next, the barge that won't budge. We want it to stay. Vancouver's new waterfront landmark and why it won't be going anywhere for a while. And big changes are coming if you want to visit Mount Seymour. What you need to get know before you go. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, for a time today, it looked like Vancouver's latest tourist attraction might be on the move. That's right. A floating crane was seen in the area of that huge barge that ran aground near English Bay during last month's storm. But the city says the crane wasn't there to remove the barge, but to be part of the ongoing repairs and assessment in preparation for its removal, which is not today. Not unwelcome news for the people who've come to love their barge on the beach. The rusty old barge, but you still like it. Who couldn't like a barge? It's just that it's so huge and it looks like a strange object, you know, in the middle of nowhere. So it's just sort of monstrous and crazy. We want it to stay. Why do you like it? Something different. I don't know. It's just fun to see. I think, you know, a little bit is the whole kind of selfie culture that we live in. It's it's like the perfect kind of selfie object because you can just stand kind of in proximity of it and take a selfie picture and post it on, on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. So I think that that, that cultural element is, is a thing. The city says the company that owns the barge has delivered a removal plan to Transport Canada, but the date of that removal is still to be determined. We mentioned a little while ago some big changes coming to the North Shore this season. Anyone heading up to Mount Seymour for some winter activities will have to book a day pass. Grace Key tells us why. 
If you're wanting to go hiking or snowshoeing at Mount Seymour Provincial Park this winter, you'll have to get a free vehicle pass. It's part of a pilot program that starts December 15th. There are two time slots, 7 a.m. to noon and noon to 4 p.m. Passes are available two days in advance of your visit starting at 7 a.m. We've got over a million visitors in 2020, and uh, that's a 20% increase over just a couple of years. So uh, we really need to manage the amount of people that are coming by vehicle. Uh, we're seeing a lot of congestion, um, a lot of stress on behalf of people who want to just relax and be outside. The backup to Seymour can be brutal, especially when you get the perfect storm of a beautiful day mixed with kids off school, as we've heard from drivers during past winter breaks. Past the turning around point now. We heard it's still about an hour or two to go. We're committed. The BC Parks Vehicle Day Use Pass pertains to the areas in red. The areas in blue are parking for the Mount Seymour Resort and not part of the day use program. So if you're skiing, snowboarding or tobogganing and have a valid ski hill pass, this doesn't affect you. It's pretty hectic when you're parking down there, especially when you're like halfway down the road and there's cars going by you. So um plan ahead. Yeah, it sucks for days like today where you wake up and it's sunny and you just want to climb the mountain. Yeah, I think it's probably wise to, I mean, given the number of people that are up here, to try and control that a little bit. That's how everything else works. It works in a city this big, so that's how it goes. I'm fine. Bookings for day-use vehicle passes start on December 13. The program ends on March 31st. One pass is required per vehicle with a maximum of eight people in a car. You can book on bcparks.ca. Be sure to print or download your pass on your mobile phone. Grace Key, Global News. Well, if it cuts down on that lineup of traffic. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We're all on board. What a day to be up there today, too, with beautiful sunshine. We'll bring Mm -hmm. Christy in now with a look at the forecast. Oh, and the sunset was stellar today as well. And I have that in our weather window coming up. But uh, we um, have a special weather statement that was just issued by Environment Canada. I'm going to show you that in a little bit. It's for Friday. First, I want to quickly mention that we have the possibility two times to see a little bit of snow across the south coast. But it's really nothing. We're just giving you a heads up because, as always, when flakes fly across here, we get all excited. So tonight, we have a pretty strong northwest flow. We could see some pockets of precipitation. Most areas would just see an isolated shower. But out through the Fraser Valley, House Sound, maybe inland sections of Vancouver Island could see a pocket of snowfall. It's cold enough that that is the possibility. So not much, but just give you a heads up. That's tonight in into early morning hours tomorrow. There's that strong northwest flow driving in that instability, pockets of precipitation. Tomorrow, generally dry and mainly cloudy. It's this next system that moves in on Friday that has a better potential of bringing in some significant weather. But when it first moves in early Friday morning, it could be cold enough. We could see a bit of wet snow, but it will transition to rain and it will wash away. So that's why I'm not worried about this one much at all. But there's a special weather statement that was issued by Environment Canada. The key that they're worried about is that we are going to see significant rain and wind and that wind will last right through Saturday. So Friday and Saturday are looking quite stormy. Tune in tomorrow and we'll have more details on that system as it drives in. In the meantime, some nice breaks of blue sky across the southern Okanagan regions. We'll see mainly dry conditions tomorrow but chance of some wet flurries in through Chilliwack, Abbotsford, maybe parts of Vancouver Island overnight and through the morning hours tomorrow. Again, it's Friday, Saturday. There are two strong 
strong stormy days with maybe a chance of some wet snow in the morning on Friday. I'll have more on that when I come back tomorrow. Here's a look at your central windows weather window for tonight. This is from Chilliwack this evening. What a gorgeous sunset. All right, guys, back to you. Just like you said, beautiful. Thanks, Christy. Well, it appears Rudolph was the victim of a rather brutal encounter in Fort Nelson last night. Check out this local deer paying a visit to Arlene Schmelich's front yard to check out the reindeer and apparently didn't approve of what it saw. The animal cautiously approaches Rudolph before backing away and then coming back at full speed to knock Santa's flying friend to the ground. Oh. No apology was made. But the statue has since been lifted back upright. Well, didn't Rudolph get teased and taunted by all these? Yes. Other, like, he yeah. made fun of him. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what is happening? And then he became the hero. Yeah. After. Wow. Poor Rudolph. Yeah, okay, I bet you he wouldn't try that with Comet or Blitzen. <laughs> it's a very lifelike Rudolph, apparently, and... In the Schmelnick's front yard. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. All right, Squire is here now. What yes. do you have for us? Well, Squire? we're going to update you what's happening with the Canucks. It's uh, game two for Bruce Boudreau, who is trying to tamp down expectations. He thinks he's getting too much credit for uh, what happened against the LA Kings the other night. Also, Tiger Woods is going to play some golf with his son coming up on December 18th. We'll talk about that. And uh, scary night last night for Surrey's Jujar Kara, who plays for the Chicago Blackhawks to all of that. Thanks, Squire. Also tonight, the search is on for remnants of the rock that caused a big boom over Alberta last night. Squire, there it is. Doesn't quite have the same no. ring as Bruce, there it is. No. But my we'll name, see if they're chanting that My name tonight. doesn't work for songs. Um, <laughs> Bruce Boudreaux has liked the adulation. Who wouldn't since he arrived in Vancouver on the weekend? But he's also quick to tamp down expectations. Just because the Canucks won their first game with him as head coach 4-0 over the Kings doesn't mean everything is instantly changed with this hockey team. He actually said after that win that the Canucks made a lot of mistakes that night and they got away with them. They'll have to be corrected. Tonight, they are facing a tougher opponent than Los Angeles. They have the Boston Bruins in town. So let's see if the good vibes from Monday have spilled over to Wednesday. The Canucks starting five includes Quinn Hughes. And early in the first period, the Canucks giving the puck away and it nearly cost them. Thatcher Demko, who was yet to allow a goal, under Bruce Boudreaux's tutelage, if you're wondering about that. Makes a nice save there. But then he gets lucky here. Stopped Eric Halla. This is Oscar Steen, and that should have gone in. But sometimes you got to be good to be lucky, and Thatcher's very good, and that was very lucky. 0-0 late in the first period. Okay. Surrey's Jujar Kara is out of hospital and back home after being, or being put in the hospital overnight for a hit by Jacob Truba in a game last night between the Rangers and the Blackhawks that basically knocked Kara out. The prognosis for him, though, is to recover, is to fully recover, I should say. He has an excellent chance to fully recover, according to the Blackhawks team doctor. Now, the NHL did not consider this a dirty hit, but all the players on the ice were very concerned, and his Chicago teammates 
especially Captain Jonathan Taves, were very frightened for him at that moment. Yeah, it was, it was uh, you know, person I was pretty shaken, I'm not going to lie to you. So, just glad to hear he's doing okay. Um, yeah, it sucks that it happens sometimes. Was it tough to kind of refocus on the game after something like that happens? Yeah, a little bit. It, it looked very serious just from, um, you know, when you when he doesn't move on the ice. Um, repeatedly, the, the official said that uh, it was a clean hit and there was nothing they could do about it. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It's tradition when you win the Olympic decathlon, you are called the greatest athlete in the world. And today, Olympic decathlon champion Damian Warner was named Canada's Athlete of the Year. Now, 24 male and female athletes were on the short list. Warner was the first ever Canadian to win the Olympic decathlon and just the fourth to crack the 9,000-point mark in decathlon, which is not easy to do. They uh, didn't say how the voting broke down this year, but uh, Warner, we should mention, was also the flag bearer for Canada in the closing ceremonies at the Olympics in Tokyo. Good for him. This Sunday's Grey Cup between the Blue Bombers and Cats is a rematch of 2019, which Winnipeg won. The Bombers are favored to win again by three and a half points, even though Hamilton is playing this game on their home field. And someone who knows what it's like to win the Grey Cup at home is Bombers running back Andrew Harris. He, of course, won it with the BC Lions 10 years ago at BC Place Stadium. And he says he appreciates getting to the final way more as a veteran. Didn't really appreciate it as much then. I mean, it was definitely a big, big, big game, and, and it was amazing. But, I, you know, it, it kind of came, um, it felt kind of easy at the time. And I didn't realize how tough it is, you know, and especially everyone thinks in a, with the limited amount of teams in, in our league, uh, you, you'd think that you'd have more great cups as someone who's played for, for as long as, as, as I have or, or some guys do. But uh, um, it, it's very tough to get in this game and very tough to win it. And, um, you know, there's a, a much more great appreciation for it uh, now than I definitely had in 2011. Earlier this year, you might remember, there were rumors that Russell Wilson was willing to be traded from the Seattle Seahawks. Now the rumors are back. There's a report he would agree to an off-season trade to either Denver, New Orleans, or the New York Giants. But not that news. Nor losing safety Jamal Adams for the rest of the year with a shoulder injury was enough to put a damper on the Seahawks' good feelings after winning against San Francisco last weekend and having a very winnable game coming up against Houston this weekend. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. I mean, we, we've we've lost enough games. You know, we've lost enough. We 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 figured that that thing out. Um, we need to keep building on the wins, you know, and, and, and go from because it's such a different feeling. It, it is, and and uh, from the locker room, getting off the field, you know, just coming off the sidelines when the, as the game's over, you know, things shift. Ten months after a serious car accident that nearly required his left for his leg to be amputated. Tiger Woods confirmed today that he's going to play with his 12-year-old son, Charlie, at the PNC Championship. Tiger spent a lot of time at the driving range this past weekend while he was hosting his Hero Challenge tournament in the Bahamas. The PNC is December 18th and 19th. He's come back before. Mm -hmm. Come back again. That's just so adorable. It is. His son's got some game, too. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Squire. All right, the big treasure hunt going on in Alberta right now and the flash across the sky. That's next.
bright flash of light and a loud boom has residents in central Alberta buzzing today. The spectacular sight, believed to be a meteor that lit up the night sky, has caused quite a stir on social media. Like the whole house moved. Mandy McLennigan is one of many Albertans who saw and felt what experts believe to be a meteor that fell from the sky south of our city. I was watching TV in my living room with my cat. Um, we were just chilling. It was close to 10 and we heard a huge boom. My windows all shook. Caitlin Kostanuk lives just north of Rocky Mountain House. Her doorbell camera also catching a glimpse of the light show. And it was a bright flashing light going through the sky. And like I, the way that I described it is it honestly looked like there was somebody standing right outside this window here with a flashlight going like this. Frank Florian from the TELUS World of Science says he believes it was a meteor or what he calls a fireball or a bolide that entered our Earth's atmosphere Tuesday evening. When these things get down low enough in the Earth's atmosphere, the Earth's atmosphere can't move out of the way. And uh, that object just basically, it's like hitting a brick wall, will just explode. Florian says it's that explosion that creates a shockwave. That's the big boom people heard and felt. Just one boom, one window shake, and then that was it. I heard a rumbling, and it sounded kind of like a semi-truck slowing down. Florian says meteor sightings like this aren't too common. He says a piece of the meteor could be somewhere south of our city. And while finding a meteorite is like finding a needle in a haystack, if you find one, it could be worth thousands of dollars. Chris Chacon, Global News. Pretty cool. People will be out looking for it. That's right. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll give the final word tonight to Christy, of course, for the weather. Thanks. So we do have a chance of an isolated flurry overnight, especially across Vancouver Island, House Sound, and through the Fraser Valley. It won't amount to much, but we certainly could see that generally dry throughout the day tomorrow, though. All right. Thanks very much, Christy. Thanks for watching, everyone. Have a great night. Good night, all.